Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Show. And yeah, I'm a little fired up about today's show. I get fired up about all the shows, but uh, this week there's a lot going on uh, in in the college football realm, but definitely in the, in the Ohio State realm. But with that said, uh, I've got a really timely guest on my show. Uh, he's been on my show before. His name is G. Scott Sr. G. Scott Sr., the father of Ohio State tight end G. Scott Jr. And, uh, you know, he's a radio man uh, out, out in Seattle. Uh, he's an auctioneer. I mean, right on down the line, he, he does a lot of things when it comes to talking. But I really appreciate his insight and his opinions on things. I don't always agree with everything, but he and I found a lot of common ground while he was whiling away the hours uh, here in Columbus, Ohio, after getting to watch uh, getting to watch his son in the Buckeyes practice on a rainy on a rainy Monday morning, uh, he was walling away the hours. I said, "Hey, you know what? Let's scrap my plans for this for this week's show and let's see if I can hook up with one of my favorite guests of all time, G. Scott Senior." He did not disappoint, uh, as would be expected, and uh, we get into a lot of things, including as he called it, the elephant in the room, uh, his son's headbutt of. Uh, uh, of a Michigan player last year, which is, you know, wow, that was a moment in time for both the player and the team. And just the way his son has bounced back from that, becoming a graduate of, of, of the Ohio State University, as he likes to say, and uh, and opting to stay at Ohio State for another year instead of possibly transferring. We get into a lot of that. We actually get into all of that in more is, is what I should say. And then I have another guest, and, uh, a segment I recorded Way back in July at the Big Ten meetings, Big Ten media uh, uh, soiree uh, preseason for college, for football, and uh, it's with my one of my good friends and one of the guys I really respect in this business, maybe more than almost anyone, Pete Thamel of ESPN. Obviously, uh, he's only forty five years old, but boy, has he come up through the ranks and impressed at so called every level. He's been on, and of course now you know him as the senior college football writer at at ESPN. He's also their insider, their inside reporter for College Game Day. You know, with Kirk Kerbstreet and the gang, he does a podcast I think every week with Reese Davis, which is a must listen to. He's definitely a must read uh, throughout the week because he's always coming up with most of the big scoops before anyone else, or basically at the same time. You know how that works. He's extremely well connected. He's connected like a dendrite in your brain, man. Seems seems to have a uh, little arms going everywhere. But uh, Pete Thamel will join me on the Tim May podcast. Excuse me, the Tim May show. I'm still having trouble with that. You know, uh, here we are half a year into it, but uh, it is what it is. Some things are hard to get rid of. But, uh, you know, uh, and then I'm going to talk about a couple of Ohio State things before we really get started, before we get into my G. Scott Sr. interview. Uh one of which is the quarterback battle at Ohio State. Uh, it's funny, a reporter at the press conference this week when we got to talk to Ryan Day on, on this Monday asked, do you really know who it is, but you're just not saying? And, you know, by that point, Ryan Day had been asked almost every way you can be asked about who the leader is, whether it's Cal McCord, the third-year player who was the backup the last two years and has started and won a game for Ohio State way back when he was a true freshman, or Devin Brown, the – you know, the, as I call him, the red, redheaded uh, wannabe starter of the Buckeyes who has definitely flashed this preseason and did so in the spring. Uh, uh, 
And Ryan Day basically still says it's too close to call, or at least in his brain. And believe me, when it comes to starting quarterback, the only guy's opinion who matters in the end is the head coach because the, because the head coach always chooses the starting quarterback for any college football team I've ever, or high school or pro team I've ever been associated with or followed. So, uh, you know, basically that's still up in the air. And uh, I think it's going to remain that way uh, through maybe the end of this week because there, there's a couple other big practices coming up. And they obviously had a scrimmage uh, this past weekend uh, during which there was no space, I guess, enough space drawn between the two combatants to where you could say, yes, this is the guy for sure. So the number one, one of the, well, basically number one offense in the Big Ten for the last several years, one of the elite offenses in the country, uh, fans are going to have to wait to learn who the starting quarterback is going to be for Ohio State. Maybe, who knows, that that word may not come until the week of the uh, season opener, uh, September 2nd against Indiana but it could come as soon as uh, the end of this week. You just got to stay tuned to lettermanrow.com and on3.com to learn the answer. Yeah, you can listen to, you can listen and, and stay tuned to other places, but, you know, I got to tout my spot. And with that said, uh, you know, I'd like to speak on another thing about the Ohio State football team uh, development this week. Uh, we learned that Bennett Christian, uh, tight end, second-year tight end, uh, will have to miss the season because he was uh, he tested positive for a banned substance. Basically, the testing came around the time of the college football playoff last year when the NCAA does one test a year, uh, what they call it in the bowl season. And uh, the great, if there's a silver lining to this, it said Bennett Christian came clean immediately. And uh, even though he's known that he's going to be missing the season for a while, uh, it was finally revealed by head coach Ryan Day uh, what the situation was this week. And uh, Benny Christian offered a statement online. You know, some guys run and hide. Benny Christian did exactly the opposite of that. So, you know, as tough a deal as this is for him to deal with, uh, uh, he's to be lauded for that. And also, you know, he provided a cautionary tale for both his peers and maybe up-and-coming college football players and high school players. You know, uh, just not every supplement out there is good for you. But then on top of that, not every supplement out there plays by all the same rules. So it's best to run any supplement you want to put into your body, run it by your uh, training staff or nutrition staff. If in fact you have uh, access to one to see if in fact all the ingredients comply with NCAA rules in, 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 in when it comes to college players. So, uh, you know, you feel for him, but life goes on. You've got Cade Stover sitting there at tight end a returning starter. You've got G. Scott, whose dad, G. Scott Jr., whose dad I'm, I'm about to speak to here on this podcast, and uh, Jelani Thurman, the freshman, uh, who enrolled early um, but showed extremely well in the spring and got it lost his black stripe way back, way back then. And now, you know, he's pretty much making progress through preseason camp. So, uh, you know, that – uh, along with Joe Royer, who's had to miss a lot of camp, I guess, because of a recurring or, you know, a problem injury. Uh, they hope to get him back sooner rather than later. But uh, that's pretty much your depth chart at tight end going into the season. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, and there's a chance that one of those guys, uh, one of those four might not have been on this list. A chance as in 
you know, his dad challenged him at the end of spring. I'm talking about G. Scott Jr. Uh, his dad, G. Scott Sr., challenged him at the end of spring. Uh, maybe it is time to move on. Maybe it is the time to transfer. Uh, you know, coming off that headbutt incident at Michigan and things didn't hadn't quite developed like they maybe he wanted to from a playing time situation. Maybe it was time to uh, to move on and, and try it at a different place. But G. Scott Jr. was adamant. He was going to stick it out at Ohio State. Along the way, he became a graduate of the Ohio State University. His dad is basically as proud of that as he, as he is anything about his son. And uh, and the other ways, his son has matured and evolved and become a man uh, while at Ohio State. So without further ado, let's get to my – let's get a new conversation I had with G. Scott Sr. Man, I'm so excited to welcome in this guest, G. Scott Sr. It's been a while since you've been on the – Tim May show way back then it was the Tim May podcast, but man, I saw you wilding away the hours in sleepy downtown Columbus today uh, on a rainy, steamy kind of day. And I figured, hey, let's hook up, right? Yeah, man. First of all, it's good to talk to you, brother Tim. Always a pleasure. You and I follow each other on social media. Grateful yep. for you and all your work that you do. And um, I think you just caught me. Yes, I'm down here, uh, right here in short north, right here in Columbus. I love to stay downtown here is where I do. But as you know, right now, fall camp is happening for the Buckeyes, right? Yeah. And, you know, we there's parents that are in town, but he's got work to do, right? So we were able to get over there for the open practice. And then after the open practice, I was able to go to, go to lunch with my son. And uh, we all went to lunch. And then after that, he had to get back to it. So I just find myself just in my hotel room, looking at the busy, I got a good view, looking at the traffic. And so as you can see, sometimes I get on Twitter and I just release my thoughts sometimes, man. It really, some people journal, which that's good. Yeah. I, I journal and I take to Twitter. And I think that um, you saw some of my thoughts on Twitter and, whatever questions you have to ask and you feel like people want to hear what my boring self has to say, then let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, as you can tell right away, this man's a radio host back in Seattle. He's also <laughs> an auctioneer. He's also does public speaking. It's hard for me to believe G Scott senior, but you do. And, and he happens to have a son by the name of G Scott junior, who is a tight end on the high state Buckeyes came here as a highly touted wide receiver, made the switch. We all went, you know, went through stories and uh, even a podcast about that a couple of years ago about how, hey, he may, you know, he, he may be he may be filling a niche that's opening ever more widely in the, in the National Football League of these uh, of these slot guys that can just tear you up. We'll get into that in a moment, G. Scott Sr. But uh, uh, I wanted to ask you this, just your impressions overall of this 2023 Ohio State football team that you've gotten to eyeball? Well, what, what's your impressions overall? Well, first, when I give you my impressions, I want everybody listening to understand where they're coming from, right? I don't have the hours of watching practice. It's not open to everyone. So my interpretation of what's going on with this team is through my son, through some of his friends, and the one hour and a half or so of practice, open practice that I got to see and also being at the family event. So here's the feel. And like, Tim, if you don't mind, let's just, let's get deeper into what someone might else might say. 
Yeah. Let me just say this. In all the practices that I've ever been to, there is a sense. You can feel it, right? And I only have a small sample size. There is a sense of we're really here for business type deal. I felt even an energy through Coach Ryan Day today that seemed to be, I, I'm not saying that, of course, he's intense and he's a head coach, but I felt like a little bit more of an intensity out of him at practice. I shared this on Twitter. That practice that I saw with the Buckeyes today was more intensity and anxiety than there is at a pro football practice. And as you know, I'm at pro football practices quite often, as you know my affiliation with the Seattle Seahawks. Yes. This isn't, this isn't saying that pro football doesn't practice hard. I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to give a window into an understanding of what some of these top programs and how they practice. Also, my takeaway of today's practice is, Tim, man, there's a lot of players. And when I say a lot, I'm going to go ahead and tell you over 35, 40 players that can play in the National Football League right now. Wow. Right now. Yeah. I mean, they are really good. So what are they working on? So that's what someone might say. Well, well, gee, well, what are they working on? Well, if there's something that I've learned specifically about the Buckeyes in Ohio State and what I still believe they have to work on, they have to work on here. They have to work on here. When you first become a Buckeye, no matter where you were, you're talented. And if you're listening to this podcast and if you're a recruit or if you're a family, your son or daughter is really good. I guarantee you, they're probably the top of the top of the top. They're really good. But you're going to come here to the Buckeyes and you're going to be on the field with a whole lot of folks that are top of the top of the top. And so it's almost like the same water that softens the potato hardens the egg. And it's that energy and intensity of Buckeye boiling water that you got to really, really get into. So the takeaway is, man, is there are a lot of good players out there, really good. If you want to ask me what players I saw, go ahead, do it. But really good out there. And, man, they're big, they're strong, they're fast. And one last takeaway, man, they did 12 periods out there. They were telling me sometimes they're doing 19. Yes. Hey, hey brother Tim, hey, that's, that, that's tough sledding, bro. That's hard work. So they're out there working hard. And then as they came off the field, it was really cool, man. It's like, oh, you know, all this alpha male testosterone. Rah, rah. And as they come off the field to see their parents, man, they, they soften like that potato, like I was talking about, that boiling water, man. So um, there's a lot of good stuff going on over there with the Buckeyes. Dude, give me, give, like you just said, don't name everybody because you can, like you said, you could name 40 guys. Give me. Besides G. Scott Jr., number 88, uh, give me some guys that, that clearly catch your eye that are in that realm of what you're talking about, about next-level talent, maybe even right now. Just Who just jumps off the field at you? And I know 
you're probably going to say Marvin Harrison Jr. I would think that'd be one guy, but who else jumps out at you? Well, a lot I, of I juniors on this team, a lot of juniors. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, there are some juniors. Um, I, I just want to just say this because, uh, you know, when you start naming names and things like that, you can kind of, you know, this person and that person, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but you're um, not the head coach. You don't have to worry about not, anybody's feelings. Go yeah, ahead. you're right. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, I would, okay, how about this? I'll just be fair. I'll say, and I'll, I'll just do one name. Is that fair? I do one name. There's a whole bunch of players out there. I mean, really good. It was really cool. And what I love about what Coach Day is doing, I don't know if any other player places are doing this, but it's really cool how they do and split the two fields, right? Yeah. So when they got the two fields going, they have an opportunity for ones and twos and everybody to be in mixed up. So you're not just ones on the field and then twos on the field and then threes on the field. And then by the time you get all that and back to one, right? The yeah. ones have been sitting there for so long, but this way you got reps after reps after reps, one. And then two, you have those that aren't a number one and are lower on the depth chart. They're over there getting more reps in front of other ones. So that part right there really makes that intensity it, it, it just it just goes fantastic. But I, I'll say the one, the number one eye popper thing for me, and what and I'll tell you what happened. What happened was they were doing drills. I was walking in. It was uh, uh, JT's dad and I. We were walking in. We were just kind of walking in, strolling. We're talking, sipping our coffees. And um, we go over there, and we're over by the D-line, right? And they were over there, Coach Larry Johnson, doing his things, putting them through drills. And Tim, brother, I was sitting there just sipping my coffee, and I saw this number 97. Yeah. And he went, <laughs> listen, bro, he just went through a drill, just real quick, and, and, and it was just the way that he did it. And they, when you get there, they give you a roster, right, with a piece yeah. of paper, right? Yeah. And so I just sipped my coffee. I said, whoa, grab my paper. What the so see who it was. They said it was this dude, Kenyatta Jackson Jr. Is that right? Yes. Hey, 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 man. Hey, man. That dude right there, just that, it was the moment, right? Yes. It was the setting. It was the moment. It was the drill. And then it was how big he was. And it was just like, man, if, if I was a scout, if I was just somebody just coming in, I'm not saying that, you know, he's going to be Hall of Famer. You're just asking me a name that just popped right off. I would grab my piece of paper, grab a highlighter, and just highlight number 97. Again, I'm giving you this. It's only because I just saw that moment and it just popped. Now, I ain't saying no more names. I just wanted to say that young man. Yeah, but but G, and this is G. Scott Sr., ladies and gentlemen, uh, father of G. Scott Jr., tight end at Ohio State. Uh, that is what jumps out about this football team is – uh, that guy's a backup. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, uh, you got uh, you got Jack Sawyer, JT Tui Molowau, whose dad you walked in with, uh, or or you know basically listed as uh, starters at defensive end. Well, listed, but they're going to play a lot of guys, right? And like you you pointed out in your tweet, and you're pointing out now, they've got a lot of quality guys to play. That that is the overriding, uh, uh, I guess, impression you get watching a practice, right? 
Yeah, man. I mean, Tim, I mean, and, and I'm talking about this goes for all positions. I, I I looked at the offensive line. I saw a bunch of those guys doing well. I mean, I don't need to talk about zone six anymore. I mean, I think the world talks about the <laughs> wide receivers enough. Shout out to zone six, the wide receivers, the best wide receivers in the world on the planet. But I think it's fair. I don't need to talk about those guys enough. They look great. Yeah. But, um, and then you go into um, uh, the the DBs, the secondaries, uh, the linebackers, and how great they look and everything like that. It, yeah. It's just there's just the depth, right? In, yeah. in in what is happening. It's just it's just credible. And one last thing, I just want to just say, like a lot of times, man, when you start when you start talking about the top teams in the country or the top quarterbacks or top this and top that we got people to understand like this is all at an extremely high level there is not there's first of all there's nobody terrible out there so get that when people tell you oh that guy's awful be careful of that person all of the players out there are really good mm -hmm. what separates great and just okay is about that much yeah, yeah it's only a little and that's what ohio state and i think big programs are trying to when this and this comes into play that is the difference between great and just okay so tim man and i'm not just saying this because i'm a buckeye parent there's really a lot of talent out there and it was helped me because again last week i'm at seahawks i'm watching them and then i come out here and i'm like wow Wow. Like, these guys can play right now. Yeah. Hey, uh, by the way, Jackson Smith, the jig, but obviously you've tweeted about him. He's caught your eye. Uh, he, you know, you just think about what he could have meant to that team a year ago, right at Ohio state. And, uh, but, uh, is, has he rolled into the NFL about as seamlessly as, as anybody you've seen in recent years? What's your take on him? Tim, if Lord willing, if he remains healthy, he will be the offensive rookie of the year. Wow. I, I mean, it's not even like it, I don't I'm, there's nobody even close. Well, that's disrespectful to all the guys that do work hard. My yeah. opinion is, is I really do think that Lord willing, he stays healthy. He is the offensive rookie of the year. He's just coming to this game and uh, he's playing well. And, you know, shout out to you got to give credit to the wide receiver group to the wide receiver coach and Brian Hartline. Yeah. You know, I'll say this to you because I actually told it to Brian Hartline today to his face. I told him this. I said, you know, Hart, you don't have the best delivery when it comes to things sometimes because you don't know how to just sugarcoat things. Yeah. Some people know how to sandwich it and dance around, but Hartline, he doesn't. Yeah. He just gives it to you like it is. And I actually think that on one hand, when someone says, oh, man, that, that heart line really told it straight like it was. And we say in life we want it straight, but do we? Because, <laughs> because sometimes if they ask you if they look fat in these jeans and you tell them yes, is that really what they want to hear? Yeah. Well, in the case of Heartline, man, man, he got them, he got them boys. They know they come prepared in that league for sure. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's talk about a guy that you know fairly well. You helped raise him. Uh, his name is G. Scott Jr. 
like I said, we talked about him a couple years ago and making this switch to tight end. As uh, uh, Ryan Day, in response to a question I was asking about the tight end room now, with, of course, Bennett Christian having to miss the year uh, because of that uh, failed drug test, and uh, or I guess positive drug test, or, or however you define a drug test, he's got to miss the year. Uh, Joe Royer has been banged up. Obviously, you've got that freshman Jelani Thurman in. Uh, no doubt, Cade Stover is going to be the, the starter based on the way things ended last year and his leadership and stuff. But he, as he said, G. Scott Jr. is the, is the best version of himself that, that they've seen so far uh, at Ohio State. And that means the move to tight end and, and that whole, you know, uh, evolution he had he's had to go through and stuff. What do you see from your son? What do you see out of him? Could this be – could this be that year? Well, when you say, and, and, and by the way, I'm just going to answer your question. And your question is, could it be that year? Yeah. And first of all, don't take my answer wrong. I just want to explain it. 2023 is already his year. He's on the one of the top five, arguably top five best teams in the country. Yeah. That's one. How many people are, are able to say that they are on a team like that? That's number one. Number two, he just graduated from the Ohio State University a few weeks ago. Number three, mentally, mentally, he's doing better than I've ever seen him do. So when we talk about the evolution of G. Scott Jr. and the player that he is. There's a lot that goes into becoming that player because before you become the player, you got to become the man. Yeah. And I think what happened with G. Scott Jr. is, is that he has become a better man. Now, I want to address the elephant in the room right now because I know that there are a lot of people that still talk about it. That headbutt that he did yeah. was the best, worst thing to ever happen to him. Let me repeat that again. It was the best, worst thing to ever happen to him because it was the worst because it was a real bad moment. It was a bad moment. It was a lack of sportsmanship. It was everything that you can talk about, right? Yes. It's probably that something that's going to be talked about and seen for years to come. His Twitter his social media, the nastiness, the awfulness that was said to and about him was ridiculous. There was people back home in the state of Washington that ha 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 said all those nasty things. You ever heard the old saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing about the headline. It was awful. It was everything that everybody has said about it. Now, what do you do? If you're a parent, if you're a loved one, if you're a coach, the first thing you tell someone going forward is, hey, why don't you learn from it? And so my son, he had a choice. And I'll share something with you. And I'll be very transparent about something. In the spring of this year, springtime, he asked me, if I thought that he should transfer. And I said, yes. I said, yeah, you should transfer. 
Because what I said was, is that I said, transfer because I don't see your situation getting better than what it is. Interesting. And of course, that was, you know, and that was it. That was a conversation. And it was after the spring game. And as a matter of fact, to be exact, I told him that I thought he should transfer right before the spring game. Okay. Yes. After the spring game, it was like a week or so. I hit him up and I said, so, hey, man, you know, what's the plan? What are you going to do? He says, I'm not going anywhere. He said, the reason I'm where I'm at is because of me and nobody else. Right. Yeah. And all the time, we're always searching, always searching for, I want more playing time. And then once you get more playing time, I want more receptions. And then once you get more receptions, I want more touchdowns. And then when you get more touchdowns, you're mad that you didn't get the most touchdowns in the country. And then when you get that, I mean, we just saw Johnny Manziel was the Heisman Trophy winner, was a first-round draft pick. He had the celebrity status and had everything in the world. And still, that wasn't enough, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, in the, case, in the case of my son... He got to the point where he says, you know what? In a city, he, he told me this story. He says, this is a dragon in the city type story. And Tim, not to bore you, but the dragon in the, in the city type story is this. If you are hold, held up in a building and in the city, there's this dragon going around. You have three choices. You can A, sit there and hide. B, leave the city because you're scared of the dragon or go out there and face the dragon. Yeah. And so his decision is to face the dragon. And some would say that's the hardest thing to do because in life facing the dragon, facing what it is that we're having adversity with, that's the hardest thing. So it was my son's decision who said, I'm not going anywhere. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to quit putting my, my hopes on playing time, my hopes on catches, my hopes on people liking me, my hopes on all of these superficial things, and I'm just going to become a better person. If you become a better person and just and enjoy and appreciate every single day that you have here on earth, everything else takes its place. Yeah. So the initial question is, are we hoping for, is he hoping for a better year? Am I hoping for a better year? He's already had it. Yeah. He's already on that team. He's already won, right? And when he already won, and I want to just say this, I can't just put this on my son in his growing up because we parents that are a part of this journey and process, I had, I got to grow, I had to grow up too. I was looking like, I want the touchdowns. I want all the greatness. I want to see Tim May say all these great things about my son. I want to, you know, maybe that's not drugs. And I mean, I don't mean this disrespectful to drug addiction because I do think drug addiction is a real thing. Okay, yeah. so I want to say that. However, there's dopamine hits that come from social media and yeah. what people say about your son. 
right? Yes. So we look to social media and we see what Tim May has to say. Or if Tim May says, oh, G. Scott Jr. isn't very good or G. Scott Jr. is a bust. Not that you said that, but when they say that, then I get low because of what someone else said. And in the Johnny Manziel doc, we all found out that Johnny Manziel's family never came from oil money, but yet everybody in the world thought so. So we can read social media and things aren't even true, but yet it's being said. So yeah. I want to go back to the very beginning. The reason why he's doing well every day, every day is because his mental and his why and what he's doing has been something that he's understood. He's not putting all of the glory on, I got to look forward to the Indiana game. And I hope Coach Ryan Day and Coach Key plays me a lot of time. What if they don't? What, what if what if Ryan Day doesn't play him? What if what if he only gets two snaps? Yeah, there'll be people that laugh at him on social media. Okay, you good? Still got a Buckeye uh, degree. Yeah, you're still winning. So I think I had to grow up, and I'm so proud of him because the best thing that he's done all season and all year has been he decided not to transfer. He graduated as a Buckeye. And he continues to appreciate where he is right now. And he's learned from the past. Gee, <laughs> gee, no, GTE. No, I'm just joking. Gee, that was, that was, uh, that was something there, that little uh, soliloquy, man. And uh, you're exactly right. I mean, for some guys, it comes sooner than others, you know, and obviously your son made the move from uh, wide receiver to tight end and, and a little bit of a, situation to where it was necessary uh from a standpoint of a need a, a, a point of need for the football team and stuff and i think mo a lot of people i think most people would like to see that pay off for him in the long run and like you just said you should you did address the elephant in the room the headbutt uh but usually you don't headbutt somebody without being provoked but you know what can't afford to do that right i mean that that's the lesson learned there but but the way your son has grown off the field uh in social media and other ways I think is obvious to everybody. Uh, and this, you know, this is a loaded question from the standpoint of, I know what the answer is. How proud of you are your son? Are you of your son right now? Football to the side. Like you said, he's graduated, you know, lost his mother, bounced back from that. Uh, how proud of you are, are you, of your son? Very. I'm super excited. I'm, I'm, I'm so proud. Like, like, more proud than I'd be if he was scoring touchdowns, more proud than I'd be if he was, because I'm proud of how he attacks every single day. I'm proud of the way he is sees life and the way he talks to me. For all the parents out there, moms, dad, this isn't just a football thing. This is a parent thing. And there, as a mom or a dad, you ever get to that point when you're talking to your son or daughter mm -hmm. and when they're talking to you, you're just like, wow, wow. They're really growing up. Yes. And, and that's that part right there, super excited about. He's really his faith, his walk uh, with, with, uh, with, with the Lord has been uh, exceptional. Uh, it's making me realize that I need to work on my spiritual walk, but it's something that he's been doing. Uh, he's been uh, really into his Bible, but I'm just proud that, um, that he, he's getting it. But there is no destination right? Yeah. Like we all, we also, I'm proud that he understands that the destination is actually the journey, right? So the yes. journey, 
and I and I've said this before, it's not the ribbon, but it's the race, right? And so I'm proud that he understands that. Yeah, excellent. Hey, speaking of journeys, man, I hate to segue from that. I, I would like to just say, okay, thanks for thanks for talking with me, G. Scott Senior. Come but on, I man, I'm, I, I'm I'm in the hotel room. I'm I know, good. but I mean that was a good finish, you know. But let's get to another finish real quick. Yeah. Speaking of the journey. You you live in the you live in Seattle area, yeah. Washington and Oregon and are going to be part of the Big Ten in twenty twenty four along with USC and UCLA. Yeah, is it mind boggling? Is it crazy to you to think that this team from right down the street, uh, for you figuratively speaking, in Seattle is going to be a part of the Big Ten? Is going to be making these journeys a hell of a lot more than Big Ten teams are going to be making the journey out to Seattle? I mean. Have you wrapped your head around that yet? Uh, yeah, because, Tim, it's very easy to understand why this is going to happen yeah. uh, and where it's come from. First, let me let me go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Um, college football generates a lot of money. I don't know if you guys heard that or not, but yeah. uh, let, me, let me repeat. A lot of money. <laughs> so... When money is involved, <laughs> watch this. when money is involved, well, the things that people used to say about tradition and all those things kind of takes a back seat. So, Tim, what I'm saying is, is money is more important than tradition. Now, I think that it's great that the University of Washington and the University of Oregon is part of the Big Ten. I think... I, I live in the state of Washington, and the state of Washington is filled with dogs, you know, the Huskies, and are also filled with cougs. Yeah. And my heart breaks for the cougs. My heart breaks for Washington State because I wish that they were part of a conference. The Pac-12 used to be called the Conference of Champions, man. There was a point in time that the world was watching the Pac-12. And the fact that this has happened to it, is heartbreaking and you know we had this thing over there called the apple cup brother tim where yes. washington plays against washington state so the future of that is for sure in limbo right you're gonna take yes. that that's possibly gonna be gone and yeah i mean this is good for washington and look if you're a football fan it's great but the local part of it right when you start having the potential of losing local interest, right? Yeah, UW fans, they're going to be fine, right? But again, the state of Washington has cool fans too. So it always helps when everybody is talking about football. What will the cool fans talk about? So while Washington and Oregon is going to be coming over, I'm looking forward to the world that I think is going to exist, Tim. I think it's going to exist where one day we have two power conferences, Right. Yeah. And then they run it like the premier champions league over in, in, in Europe, where if you're not playing well enough, you're relegated down. And if you're playing well enough down here, you're relegated up. So I just think the future is something. But I, I hopefully look forward to a day that Washington State and Oregon State, I wish they could find a big conference, man. What do you mean I'm relegated? I'm going to start my own conference. I mean, you know, that's, that'll, that'll, that'll create the, you know, uh, and I, I see exactly where you're coming from. I'm talking to other people about that. That's just going to create uh, craziness, you know, too. But I think that's 20 years down the road. What do you think, G? I want yeah. 
I wanted to ask you this though, from a parent standpoint, when you see, and uh, you know, you've seen what some, some people have said about it and you know how much, you know, this is done for money. You know, the college football playoff is about to heap, go to 12 teams and heap a lot of, lot more cash under that fire, that, that, that money fire, uh, you know, yes, players get to benefit from the NIL name, image, and likeness now, but that's because of state laws, not because of anything the NCAA did. Uh, they've benefited, though, from some other things that uh, basically cover the cost of going to college uh, more fully, et cetera. But should college football players, you've got a son who is one, should they, should they now become employees or what do you want to call it, paid employees of their universities uh, based on the fact that so much money is now coming uh, into college athletics and is mainly coming through the college football, major college football pipeline. You're a parent. What is your take on that? Well, I want to say this because the Tim, the, the Tim May uh, show will always be shown for 50 and 100 and 150 years from now. Right. And somebody's yeah. going to see that somebody's going to see this clip and they're going to want to know where G Scott senior, what was his opinion on this very topic back then? Yes. Let me be very crystal clear for those listening 150 years from now. Um, yes. Players need money. Yes. And here's why you can't have a business model that generates a billion dollars between a conference in a television station and you still have it to where there are players that get room, free room and board and some snacks. I mean, Tim, come on, man. Like we're talking a billion dollars. Wait, that's a billion dollars today. Yeah. What's it going to be in 10 years yeah. if you keep this model up? So again, it goes back to, man, but by the way, Shout out to Johnny Menzel for even doing the doc. I think I appreciate him for telling that truth. But if you haven't seen that doc, there are so many lessons in that. Yes. And I think the major lesson in that is this. There's never enough, Tim. There's never enough money. There's people right now, once you make $100,000 a year, you want two hundred. dollars and once you make 200, you make 400. Most of us don't get to a place where we're like, you know what? That's enough money. No. And when it comes to college football and the money that is generating, there's never enough. We're talking about conference football where uh, teams, I'm not talking football, footballs be fine, but you're talking about basketball and softball and tennis going from Washington and traveling across country to play. Why is that happening? Yeah. Is it because, is that because it's what's good for the students? No, it's what's good for money, period. Yeah. So, so I don't know what the business model would be. Does, do you put the money in the trust? So when some of these uh, college players, when they're 25 years old, they get access to that money and, you know, and all those things. I don't know. But I do know this, that this model that is currently happening and the continuation of increase in TV money, and coaches money and school money, while the money for, let's say the 98% of college players stays the same, when are we, when's enough enough? Yeah. What, and, and, and what number, and for anyone, and by the way, I love when people disagree with me on this topic, that's fine. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful world to agree to disagree. Yes. But Tim, 
I'll throw this back at you and I'm not so supposed to be asking you questions. Go ahead. At what point is it okay, now it's time for them to get money? Is it a two, is it a two billion dollar contract between conference and TV? Is it five billion? Is yeah. it ten billion? Yeah. When's when's enough enough? Yeah. Well, that's that's what I that's what I've thrown back at, at people when they ask me about that very same thing too, is that you know used to be, for example, teams would get would get a little bowl bonus, you know, for playing in a bowl game way back in the 70s and 80s. You'd make a certain amount of money, and that would just kind of went into a rainy day fund for everybody. They had figured out a way to pay for athletics before all the TV money started really just escalating. And uh, But everything escalated in terms of college athletics and major college athletics. Everything escalated uh, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, facilities, uh, uniforms, you know, run them down the line, coaches' salaries, administrator salaries, support people's salaries, but not not as much as maybe support people's salaries should have. But still, the money kept going up except for what the players, the student athletes, as they call them, were were sharing, which was, you know, like you said, there are other there are other revenue. There are other avenues for revenue or money for athletes now that didn't exist back then, like the Austin uh, grant and and right on down the line. But it's pales in comparison to, to the way everybody else's salaries etc. escalated because of the money coming in, primarily because of football and a little bit because of basketball contracts, television contracts. And nobody's going to tune in and watch uh, Ryan Day going, well, I would, I would tune in once watch Ryan Day go head to head with Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> that would be, that would be a, you know, Elon Musk versus Zuckerberg. I mean, that would be something you'd tune in to see once, right? But the bottom line is the money the, the, as the money is escalated and salaries have, have escalated on that realm, it didn't for the student athlete. And uh, like I said, NIL is a law now, uh, is, is, is law. That's the only reason you're allowed to get name, image, and likeness money, but you still have to semi-generate that yourself, even though there are schools that are using it as inducements and stuff. The bottom line is that's not because of any NCAA uh, mandates. And the word here, G. Scott Sr., the word nobody wants to get to, and I understand it because it does open or close a Pandora's box. I'm not sure what it does. Maybe closes one, opens another. The word is contracts. Just like in the NFL, uh, once you've signed a contract with someone, now they have control over what you can do, how much money you make, et cetera, but they are paying you a fair share of their revenue. And no one wants to go there. They don't want to make uh, student athletes employees I, I sort of understand it and I sort of don't. What's your take? I sort of understand it and I sort of don't. And and I also understand when you see people say things like, this is going to change the game. And, you, you know, yeah. the, other, the other day I was talking, uh, I was actually talking on my show about this. And I was talking about how uh, when we think about college football, Right. What do you what, give me your first memory of college football? It's either I was watching it with my dad or I was watching it with my mom or my yeah. uncle or my family or me and my friends or Keith Jackson. And you, you know, what I mean? like we we all have our fond memories of well, my grandfather went to the Ohio State or my great, great, great grandfather went there. And I've been a Buckeye for 60 years, whatever tradition that you want to talk about talk about it yeah. but what has happened is 
what has happened is, is money today is more important than tradition. Yeah. Right. Yes. And so, and so for anyone that says, I don't like these changes because it's going to change everything to which I say, you're not wrong, but the decision to make more money on this with the model of student athlete that was made years ago. Yes. So this isn't new. The only thing that is new, it is harder to hide now, yeah. right? Yes. This, this has been going on for years. It's just harder to hide. And now Pandora's box is open and none of us can get the toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah. It's a rental trap. Now, what it's going to be in five years, 10 years, 20 years, I don't know. But I do know one thing. I do know how we watch TV is different. I do know that all of my kids and their friends and everything, I know they don't even watch cable TV, right? Yeah. I know that you're having to get ESPN Plus and this streaming service and YouTube and all Peacock. this stuff. Peacock. Peacock. So... Remember, everything is changing, not now, but right now. Let's yeah. not even talk about AI. You don't even want to get into that. So, yeah. so where the future is going, I don't know. But there's one remaining underlying fact. There's never enough money. Yeah. Last thing. I got Pete Thamel, a uh, well-known ESPN reporter. You know, he's a the uh, inside reporter for a uh, game day, ESPN game day, college game day, et cetera. I got a little recording about with him coming up after we're done here. Uh, and he made a great point, you know, when I was talking to him, he leads off with it. You know, college football has never been a better product on the field and more, I don't know if the word you want to use is chaotic or whatever you want to call it, off the field from the standpoint of what's going on you know, uh, around the facility, et cetera. I, th I would think you being a football fan, you probably agree with that, right? I mean, the the product, I mean, the, the offense that Ohio State puts on the field is unprecedented in the realm, in the, in the long story tradition of Ohio State. The last 10 years have been crazy from an offensive standpoint. I would think you agree with that, right? I told you at the beginning of the show, brother. Yeah. I said at the very beginning, I said, um, there are a lot of players that can play right now. Like, I mean, th that what I saw with the Buckeyes today in practice, and I'm I'm not just saying this, I'm quite sure you can go to Georgia, I'm quite quite sure you can go to Alabama, yeah. I'm quite sure that you can go to these top programs and maybe see the same thing. I'm not not saying that. I'm just saying that. Tim, this is this is incredible. You've been covering college football, I think, for 40 plus years. Am I yeah. right? Yeah. You tell me, you mean to tell me 40 years ago they were playing football like this? No. Nope. I mean, what? I mean, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. I'm not calling them better football players because I don't want to be disrespectful to the past. Okay. I'm yeah. not, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to say that. Right now, what I see, when I was in high school, when I was in college, I'm just saying, we were not as good as them today. There's seven on seven, the sports science, 
um, the Mickey Moriarty's of the world. I mean, my goodness, they're specimens over there. And they don't just, Tim, they don't just start football from fall and then go through November and then the playoffs and the bowl <laughs> games. This is year round. Yeah. They literally work all the time. They don't get five weeks off. Yeah. They don't get that. They're constantly having to go. So, yeah, I say that Pete's right. I think the college football product is incredible. And here's how I know that Pete's right. Here's how I know that we're telling the truth. Because viewership is at an all-time high. Yeah. What we are seeing, Tim, back when I was coming up in the 80s, just so you know, my dad and his friends, I used to watch, you know, when I was a little kid and I would watch them. You know what they were watching? They were talking about what? boxing. Yeah. Boxing was huge. It was bigger than college football. It was bigger than pro football. Who the heavyweight champion of the world and middleweight champion, Sugar Ray Leonard and Marvin Hagler and Tommy Hearns. Dude, boxing was a big deal. I'm not saying boxing isn't real now, but... I mean, if you're listening right now and I ask you who the heavyweight champion of the world is, yeah. I, I tell you that you probably know who the best quarterback is in pro football than you know who the heavyweight champion of the world is. That's where we're at with watching and yeah. viewership. Yeah. Hey, one last thing, G. Scott. What do you got? Gene Scott Sr. Uh, yeah. you, you touched a little nerve there earlier when you were talking about uh, growing up and the first game you got to watch, you know, with your, your dad and brothers or you know family and stuff and i just remember well i'm 69 my dad took me and my older brother ben to alabama home games that's where i grew up and then moved to texas at 65 but uh early 60s alabama home games and my hero of course was joe namath joe willie namath uh bear bryant was the head coach then everybody's heard of him but joe namath was from beaver falls pennsylvania and he was playing for Alabama, you understand what I'm saying? Meaning, Bear Bryant basically went to Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, to sign Joe Namath because Joe Namath could help him win football games and further the cause of Alabama football. It, my point is, it's for a long time now. It's been a go get the best players you can get from wherever they are and bring them to your place and, and let uh, you know let yours take on theirs and see who's best. But the point is, it's been a player's game forever, but it's been a star player's game for a very long time also, meaning they are worth something to you other than uh, uh, room, board, and books, correct? I mean, I don't have the data in front of me. I did a podcast on this about five years ago with a guy that did, and it was very interesting, but go ahead. I, I don't have the data in front of me, but... If I was a betting man, I wonder where you could tie football success of a university to enrollment. Yeah. And I haven't checked lately, but back in my day, you know, a lot of people like to say that, back in yeah. my day, <laughs> you know, tuition for a semester for tuition was about $5,000 a semester, $10,000 a year. You mean to tell me today we got $50,000 a year for, for college? 
I'm not, I'm not standing up to get your money, get your yeah. money. But when you have that going on, and then you have a success to the football program, nah, you know what? I'll just stop there. Hey, as I said a long time ago, Alabama wanted to increase its enrollment uh, real quick before we finish. I think you're around in the high 20s at one point, and I can't remember how many years ago it was, but they said they would like to get it, you know, moving on up toward 40,000 at the University of Alabama, which in, if you've ever been to Tuscaloosa, you know, I grew up in Texas, Alabama and in Texas, and in Texas they had oil wells, you know what I mean, that pumped them, that pumped the money. Uh, but that every, 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 every thousand students you add to an enrollment, man, it, that enhances the, uh, the, uh, that enhances the wherewithal of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, in all kinds of ways, and definitely, and definitely the university. That's just an example. So yeah, you're you're exactly right. Uh, one one brings on the other. Hey, G. Scott Senior, man, appreciate you joining me. Uh, uh, I'm glad we got it raining on this day when we're recording this, so you feel more like home back in Seattle. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the weather's crazy now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I think I'm just gonna go and. I might find me another restaurant to go and hang out here uh, on on High Street and, and get ready to fly back to Seattle tomorrow. Before you hang up. Yeah. Who's the best quarterback you saw on the field uh, when you got to watch open practice? You know what? Great question. Both of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Okay, wait. Be, be, before I go, um, I want to really, really answer that, honestly. Earlier in the show, I told you, I said this, even before this question, yeah. I said the diff, I said the difference between great and just okay in at this level, elite football is that much. Okay. When I saw those quarterbacks out there, both of them, they're really good, Tim. Yeah. They're 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 really good. And if they weren't really good, I don't think that they would be buckeyes. And you want to know who else is really good? Ryan Day in his track record for quarterbacks. Wow. I don't know if I don't know if many people remember this or not. And this is this is probably the best way for everyone to really settle in on whoever becomes the starting quarterback. Justin Fields was not the starter at Georgia. Right. And he did not win the job. He left. And he came here, but for some reason he came here and was really good, right? Yeah. So that should tell everyone everything that they need to know about the quarterback and Ryan Day and what's going to happen going forward. And I'm just telling you that these, I don't think that it's possible for someone like me, who's never been a quarterback in my life, to judge two quarterbacks. Right. That are really good and say, huh, I think that this quarterback is better than the other. It's not possible. It's not possible for me to see these quarterbacks and see them doing that. They're really, really good. So there's my answer on that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, once again, once again, someone does not define who the number one quarterback is at Ohio State. G. <laughs> Scott Sr. I didn't expect you to, but I thought I'd give it a shot. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. I G. appreciate Scott you. Yeah, G. Scott Senior. Well, I thank you once again for joining the Tim May Show. It's always a blast, as you well know. All right, brother. You take care, my man. GameTime.co and the GameTime app have 
turned into the place to go if you want to find those hard to get those last minute tickets to any concert comedy show or more importantly from this point of view sporting events most especially ohio state football the game time app it's easy to download uh if you use the game time app the first purchase if you enter the promo code buckeyes the the promo code buckeyes uh you'll get twenty dollars off your first purchase at uh for using the game time app and and of course the game time app and gametime.co they also come with the with the with the guarantee that uh if you find a ticket somewhere else in the same row uh for a lesser price to any to any event then you will get 110% of the difference between that price and the price you paid on gametime.co or on the game time app. And uh, that makes it worthwhile right there. So uh, game time, the game time app is turned into the place to go. And of course, when you, uh, when you do download the game time app and you do put in Buckeyes and you do get that $20 off that, uh, that first ticket, of course, terms apply, just like terms apply on the game time uh, guarantee of 110% back on a similar ticket uh, for a lesser price. The difference between that ticket price and the price you paid. So uh, game time, the game time app has become the place to go for a lot of reasons. That's why it's the fastest growing ticket brokerage in the country. Yeah, you got the idea why I had G. Scott Sr. on, man. He not only brings the knowledge, he not only brings the opinions, he brings the energy. And uh, you can see why he is a success on the air as an auctioneer. I think anything you'd put him behind a microphone on, he'd be a success at uh, out there in the Seattle area and then basically anywhere else. So, G. Scott Sr., thank you once again for joining the Tim May Show. Now, let's move into my little segment with uh, Pete Thamel, a uh, guy I've known for a long time, as I said. Uh, he's about as well-respected as you get when it comes to reporters covering the national scene of major college football, major college sports. And I ran into him at uh, the Big Ten meetings this year back in July. And, uh, you know, most of this is not dated at all because I get into him about college football. As you heard me talk with G. Scott Sr. about college football, the product has never been better on the field, more exciting on the field, and maybe as chaotic or whatever the word is you want to use off the field. Uh, we get into that. We get into Ryan Day and uh, how he should be revered by Ohio State fans and others uh, and, and Ohio State, you know, Ohio State football, where it kind of stands at this moment. And uh, obviously, you know, it stands high going into this preseason. We're ranked, what, number three in the latest poll, the Associated Press uh, preseason poll. But without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Pete Thamel. Hey, Pete Thamel, welcome to the Tim May Show. Tim May, it's great to be on your show. I hope uh, you know. I hope I hope this internship at Big Ten Media Day leads to a full-time job covering the Buckeyes. I, I, I got faith in you, Tim. Thank you very much. I've been <laughs> I've been trying to get that gig since 1984. Yeah. But I digress. <laughs> uh, in, in a nutshell, can you can you define for people what kind of like era we are in in college football? You've been covering this for a long time for a lot of organizations. Now with ESPN and. Uh, Game day, I mean, is this crazy? We're in a golden era on the field and a muddled era off it. 
Yeah. Um, and no matter what the suits do, be they in Indianapolis or in conference offices, they can't mess up the sport. And the sport is unbelievable. It's the best on-field product in the entire time that I've done this. I'm not a Pollyannish. Like, if it was bad, like, you know, like the NBA in the 90s when it all bogged down, I would tell you it's bad. But the, yeah. the on-field product of college football with the diversity of play and the geographic variance to different title contenders. Now, look, it is a little top-heavy, but end of the day, every Saturday, the product, I think, is as strong as it's ever Specifically Ohio State, because this is a kind of an Ohio State-centric uh, podcast. That's the team you want to cover, right? Show, yes, exactly. I'm aspiring to that. <laughs> uh, Someday. Can you give people an idea of the job Ryan Day has done? I know that's a, sort of a obtuse kind of question, but... Uh, so Ryan Day's won 90% of his games? So I would generally say that's pretty good. I yeah. think if you track historically coaches... So he just finished his fourth season? Yes. Is that right? Going into his fifth. If you track four seasons win percentage the last generation, I would imagine he's in the top five. I haven't done that yet, yeah. but I would think that. I think he has lost three regular season games. Yeah. Is that right? So I would just think generally if there are critics of Ryan Day, you have to ask yourself a question of how, like who could actually come in and improve upon historically good performance. Yeah. And that's what it's been. And it's also been good football, too. Like, it's fun to watch the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes have talent. The Buckeyes have first-round picks at quarterback. The Buckeyes have the best receiving core over a five-year span that I've probably covered in my career. Like, the Buckeyes are in are in good hands. Yeah, and you've known Ryan for a while, and I wanted to ask you this. I mean, you heard me. I've asked him this a couple of times, but, but even at Big Ten Media Days, they kind of let it all hang out against Georgia, finally. I'm talking about from an offensive standpoint. The quarterback just balled out, as the old saying goes, with C.J. Stroud and stuff. And you get the idea that that's the way Ryan wants to play now. I mean, do you – yeah, I don't think there's any doubt how Ryan Day wants to play. Yeah. Uh, I got an article coming out in the next month on uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. And Marvin Harrison Sr. made a great point to me. He said, Ryan Day is greedy. He's a greedy coordinator. So Marvin Harrison is the father of a receiver, likes the greed. And that means fourth down gambles. Now, maybe that evolves some. Maybe there has to be a little more complimentary football as you go forward. You have to win games in different ways, and I think that's going to be part of and is part of Ryan's evolution as a coach. But, yeah. yes, at his core, in his heart, he wants to score 60. Yeah, and that, that, there's something to be said about that because it's it, it's fun to watch. Yeah, it the other and team's got to score 61 to beat they you. Have the tools to score 60. Yeah, and last two things, Jim Knowles. I mean, what what, what is your take? Of, was the Ohio State defense close to getting it right last year, but then just big plays killed them? Or, or, or do you have your eye on that aspect of the, the Ohio State yeah, team think, this year? I think it'd be interesting to see if Jim Knowles sort of with a full off-season purview to really fit the portal and fit the system and then guys growing up in the system. I think college football is so influxed him that people underestimate the value of continuity and how you can grow with it with a year in a scheme. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the production for Jim Knowles is the production when you look at his career. Um, and if you, again, if you take out the Michigan game, I would say they had a very successful defense last year. But yeah. they can't have gashes like they did. They can't have guys running free like they did. And I think that becomes Jim Knowles versus Michigan's offense ultimately becomes the biggest matchup of Ohio State season. And there you go. That's what I want to end with. Uh, two losses, two straight losses to Michigan. Kind of embarrassing losses, really, the way they went down in the second half of the, both of those games. Uh, 
How much of this is a referendum game for uh, this upcoming season? I think it's always for, for a, Ryan Day it's and always Ohio State. a referendum game for Ohio State, and I think it will be big. The stakes were really high last year, and they're only ratcheting it up this year. So it's a it's a huge game. It typically determines a trip to Indianapolis to this very field. It typically determines a spot in the playoff. Although the Buckeyes uh, the Buckeyes managed to get in last year, so again, I, I I don't think you can ever underestimate the stakes of the game. Can I ask one last thing? Because that's what I always do. Uh, 2024, the Big Ten has no divisions anymore. Ohio State, Michigan could play two two weeks in a row. You know, you heard Ryan talk about that. I've been talking about that forever on my show. Like, you really want to see that maybe even three times in a row with the new playoffs format? It could happen. Yeah. Just when you think something can't happen, it happens. Uh, or Carolina Duke playing the Final Four? Yes. So what is your take on the Big Ten in this direction in that regard? Look, the Big Ten and the SEC are pulling away from everyone else. And all the sort of short-term hiccups or quirks in the matrix, like a potential back-to-back Ohio State-Michigan game, are a price of doing business. And they're doing good business at the Big Ten. They're doing very big business. You heard all the TV partners that uh, Commissioner Petiti thanked yesterday. The business is fine. And sometimes there's on-field inconveniences to businesses growing. Always enjoy talking with Pete Thamel. Just this time I recorded it. Uh, and by the way, it is Thamel, man. It gets His name gets pronounced a lot of different ways. But... Uh, once again, I double-checked with him before we started. It is Pete Thamel. He's a native of Massachusetts. But, boy, as he spread his wings, I mean, rising through the ranks from uh, from the newspaper in Syracuse to the New York Times to uh, Sports Illustrated to Yahoo Sports and then finally ending up with ESPN uh, and becoming their senior college football writer and their insider for college game day. And Pete Thamel, appreciate you once again for joining the Tim May podcast, just uh, the Tim May show I'm telling you, folks, I probably ought to put a $10 bill in the bucket every time I say the Tim May podcast. That'll be, you know, remember I had that that bucket uh, a long time ago because I said us uh, so much, but that was costing me a ton of money. Maybe I can uh, control myself about, about this latest thing. We'll see where that goes. Of course, I'd give all the money to charity, probably to the Ryan and Nina and Ryan Day Fund. Uh, uh, but uh, that's another story for another day. But I appreciate G. Scott Sr. joining the Tim May podcast. There you go. There's 10 bucks right in there right away. Did that on purpose. Not. Who knows, right? But uh, joining the Tim May Show once again. And uh, maybe by this time next week, we'll be talking about an Ohio State quarter, Ohio State starting quarterback. That's easy for me to say. But will it be easy for Ryan Day to say? Uh, we'll see between now and then. But until then, this is Tim May. We'll see you then.